Welcome to the Fiat Podcast. Sharing powerful birth stories within a Catholic context. I am Nikki French. And I'm Laura Flaherty. Let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here today with Lenora and Nikki. Hello, hello. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Very good. good. Yeah. Uh, Lenora, do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am 23 and my husband's name is Austin. We have been married for, um, we just had our three-year anniversary and we have one son who is 11 months. His name is Israel and we are pregnant with identical twin girls. Very cool. (laughs) Went for number two and got two and three instead. Yeah, it's a, it's a full house. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so we'll probably get started with our Hail Mary. If you'd like to join in, you can. Um, and then we'll get into your birth story. Awesome. Okay. Right, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art you among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you want to get started with a little bit about your pregnancy or if there's anything before that and then how you prepared for labor. Yeah. So I will kind of get started. Um, the way we got pre- probably a little bit different. So um, my husband and I are actually not Catholic. And when we got married, my whole life, I was always fairly against birth control because of how pro-life I am. Mm -hmm. But we kind of got suckered into going on birth control when we got married because we were both in school and it was just the expectation. So our first year of marriage, I was on the arm implant and um, it was awful. They ended up, because of the side effects, they added birth control pills on top of that so they had me on like a double dose and it was just the worst worst experience ever I was I compare it to first trimester sickness how often I was sick and my cycles were messed up so um and then spiritually and mentally I felt like gross and dirty and just very convicted being on it So after about a a year of physically being sick and spiritually feeling very convicted, I had a really big heart to heart, told him that I can't do this. I really wanted to do natural family planning. And at that point, we were actually in the becoming foster parents. So we were ready to start our family anyway. So we just stopped everything. My cycles were still really messed up. So I wasn't, didn't have the knowledge to really start natural family planning. And we ended up getting pregnant. Um, and about, I, we tested in November of 2019. So it was about four months after we went off of all the birth control Mm -hmm. and, um, our prayer through the whole foster care process, because that is, it is a long process. We started our classes April of 2019 And this is like November and all of our stuff had been turned in and we were basically just waiting on DCS to get us a baby. 
Mm-hmm. And we were, our prayer was a baby boy for Christmas. <laughs> um, and November 25th, exactly a month before Christmas, we were getting ready to go out of town for Thanksgiving. And so I took a pregnancy test. My cycles were so messed up. I thought it was going to be negative, but um, it was positive. So we we knew that it was a boy that um, we were having our our boy for Christmas. So even though he is a summer baby, we call him our Christmas baby and our Christmas gift. So that's kind of how we got pregnant with him. And um, it was kind of hard to announce that because we had some pushback from family members. There was a family member that was fairly upset that we were pregnant. And it was really hard because that was the family that we were going to visit just a few days later. So it kind of started the pregnancy out a little bit stressful from the beginning. Mm, That's so hard. It was. It was not the reaction I was expecting from this individual. Mm -hmm. Um, The first question was asking how we got pregnant. (laughs) Do you want me to explain it to you? Yeah. (laughs) My husband goes, well, when a man and a woman love each other. Right. That's always how I started. (laughs) Yeah. So it was just a mess. But we... other than that individual, we had a lot of good support. Um, so right away, I knew that I wanted midwives. Um, for me, having an OB was never on the table. Um, I looked into and home births. I really wanted a home birth, but the hospital that is near where we live, um, I did not want any risk of delivering there or if there were, was an emergency, I did not want to have to go there, mm-hmm. which kind of took home birth off the table. And so we looked at birthing centers. Um, there were none in our immediate area. Now a little bit to one, but um, insurance does not really cover those things. Mm -hmm. Um, They just want you to birth in the hospital. So we did find a hospital about an hour away from us that has had a midwifery in the hospital. So Mm -hmm. that was pretty much, we didn't really have to second guess it. We didn't really discuss it. We just went with them once we saw, realized that home birth and birthing center would, were off the table for, for Israel's pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, So we went in, we had our first ultrasound. Um, He was six weeks and six days at that first ultrasound. And it really confirmed that I was glad we were using the midwives because we got the the ultrasound tech for the midwifery was sick that day. And so we were placed on the OB floor and Mm -hmm. she was so rude. Um, we, We were over the moon just in our own little happy world, having our first baby. And she was such a Debbie Downer. I don't know if it's because we are young parents or what, but um, just that the whole being on the OB floor, it made made me really glad that we were choosing the midwives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I There's just such a difference. But um, mm-hmm. everything was perfect at that first ultrasound. Um, and I, I did start developing morning sickness. It was really difficult. 
Um, I'm a social worker. And at that time I was doing home-based work and a lot of the clients that I was seeing were heavy smokers and would smoke inside their homes. So I was just constantly sick. Um, I would throw up leaving clients' houses and it was just awful. Um, I, I remember waking up every morning, crying, driving into the office, going to see all my clients, coming home, showering, not even having the energy to eat dinner and going straight to bed. That's so that was tough. But um, then I started working where I'm working now, which is a residential facility for juveniles. And I love where I'm at now. They are, the other thing that was weird about the first job I was at, um, or the job I was at during that time, they didn't want me to tell anyone I was pregnant, including coworkers, um, which really rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And then the new job, they, they're a Christian organization and super celebrated the fact that I was pregnant. They hired me knowing that I would be taking maternity leave in a few months and it did not phase them which is such a rare thing these mm-hmm. days. Um, so I started that job the day or the week after we had our um, anatomy scan, which we already knew he was a boy because we just knew. Um, but they confirmed that, that we were having a boy. We gave him the name Israel David at that point, which again, we had, I was already calling him Israel. So I'm glad that, that he was Israel. Mm -hmm. And it was just very uneventful. Um, We didn't have any issues. COVID, we actually, with the second ultrasound, um, we we did the second ultrasound at 19 weeks instead of 20 weeks for that anatomy scan because I was starting my new job the following week and couldn't take off any time that week for the anatomy scan. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad because the week after is when everything shut down for COVID. So if we had waited to 20 weeks, my husband wouldn't have gotten to go. But because we did it at 19 weeks, um, he was able to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was just uneventful. Around 28 weeks, I did have some bleeding. So we were triaged and everything was fine. So that was really the only issue we had my blood pressure started to climb kind of towards the last maybe from around that 28 week mark or so. And we went in, um, we had to have, they wanted us to have another ultrasound at 36 weeks to make sure that Israel's growth was okay because they were concerned about my blood pressure. Um, and at that 36 week appointment, he was totally fine, but my blood pressure, I think it was, I don't remember what the number was. I just looked at it the other day in my chart, but it was, it was, I guess, a little bit higher than they felt comfortable with. So they triaged, um, they triaged us, but before they triaged us, the midwife did say, if they let you go home, you have to be induced at 37 weeks. And that's kind of when everything shifted for me because I was so against any type of medical intervention. My plan was to labor in water and not have an epidural, not have any type of induction method, um, just very limited 
I, in my mind, I only needed the midwife there to catch the baby, which my husband ended up catching him anyway. So, um, I didn't really know about options or advocating for myself for Mm -hmm. this pregnancy, but something in me just immediately said when, when she said that I needed to be induced, my first response was I'm not doing Pitocin. Um, and I had seen the business of being born. So I guess that's where that came from, but I didn't know anything really about inductions. Mm -hmm. I just knew that I did not want Pitocin or Cytotec. Um, so she told me about the Foley balloon and I said, and I told her that if we did have to be induced, that that was the only way that I was willing to do it. But at that point, we didn't even know if I would be going to 37 weeks or if they were going to keep us there at 36. So we went to be triaged and they did send us home. Everything was fine. My blood pressure went back down. Um, I do wish that I had questioned why 37 weeks Mm -hmm. Why couldn't we push it to 38 weeks and then 38 weeks, push it to 39 and just keep pushing back. Um, But I didn't at the time. I really trusted that they had my best interest. And I do think that, that she did. Um, And I did go home and I researched um, blood pressure and, and everything. Um, so that was kind of, that's the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you guys have any questions or anything about the pregnancy side? Um, I don't think so. You were induced at 37 then? Yeah. So, okay. so that week between 36 and 37, I worked from home and I did everything to not induce necessarily at home. But um, I ate, I went to the store and I loaded up the shopping and dates and primrose oil. Um, I was walking consistently sitting on the birthing ball. Mm-hmm. We, we did everything hoping that we would go into labor naturally. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, that did not happen. I know when we had that 36 week appointment. Um, she did do a cervical check and, um, I think I was at like one and a half or two or something like that. So Mm -hmm. I think I was already, I was fairly effaced. I might've actually been 60% at that point. So we, we did think that maybe we could get him out on our own before Mm -hmm. getting to that point of induction. Um, my sister's birthday was July 13th. So we set the appointment for the 14th because I did not want to risk him sharing my sister's birthday. (laughs) Um, so the morning of July 14th, we went in for the induction. And so COVID's going on during all of this. My husband had been at every one of our appointments up until COVID And then he was allowed at the 36 week appointment since it was an ultrasound. So he thankfully at least was there when we were triaged. Um, But so he came in with me for the induction. We walk in and we had all of our bags and we had smiles on our faces because we were, we're having a baby today and we were all excited. 
and the person that's standing at the door doing the temperature checks and asking about symptoms, he's like, well, I know where you guys are heading. And we were like, yeah, we're going up to have our baby. And, and he asked me, he said, well, who's your second support person? And my husband and I kind of looked at each other because at this point, we're only allowed to have one person as our support. And, and I was like, well, my husband's my support person. And the guy asked again, he goes, but who's your second person? And, and we were like, are we allowed to have a second person? And as of, I think the day before the hospital had changed policy Mm. and allowed a second person. So I immediately called my mom. She lived like two hours from the hospital and I asked her if she wanted to come and she, she did, um, didn't get there right away. It was, she didn't get there until that night, but she was able to be there, which was not something we were expecting, mm-hmm. um, especially with COVID and what is as much as I didn't want to be induced going in that week and having him the following week, um, they went back to one support person. So we just had a huge blessing um, in that. Um, So we got up to the floor. They were, I mean, our appointment was at 730 in the morning. So I don't think they were super busy or anything yet. So everything was really quick. By 830, the midwife had already put in the Foley balloon and the process um, had been started. I was pretty upset that there was no water tub for me. Um, it was the water tubs, even though I'd requested one, they were first come first serve basis and even getting there super early in the morning, there was not one available. And I even asked, I said, well, if whoever's using one now, if they're packed up and leave, can, can we be transferred? And the nurses were like, well, we'll look into it, but probably not. Cause you have to be monitored the whole time anyway, because you're being induced. And that was frustrating. I did not want to have continual fetal monitoring. I asked if we could have one of the wireless monitors, and they told me that was only for obese people, which I'm not obese, so it wasn't an option for me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know where that came from. They said that they, they have that for their overweight patients, and I did not meet the criteria that it would be too big for me. No, that's interesting. Why they need a one then too? (laughs) Goodness. Yeah, I don't know it. Why I don't know if it was because of being induced or if it was too much work for them, or what. So I didn't push it because at that point I didn't really know that you could push against things. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, they answered my question. It's not the answer I want. That sucks, but let's move on. I think now I would probably with with this pregnancy if I'm in I will be in that situation again because we will be induced I'm pretty much gonna say either you put a wireless one on or I'm gonna take this off and I'm only gonna put it on every 30 minutes for a few minutes to get checked on but you're not keeping me hooked up because I was like chained to the bed and it was awful especially being induced when you're not already in active labor you're just sitting there and the beds are so uncomfortable. It was just awful. My husband was asleep most of the day because he was tired and said he had to rest for when things got real. 
Um, so I pretty much just sat in the bed starving because I wasn't allowed to eat and watching Netflix. Um, so my husband stuck me a Reese's. That was the only food I ate during the entire time. Um, they would let me drink like the insure drinks. So that sort of filled me up a little, Mm -hmm. but it was awful. My husband, when he, he was allowed to go to the cafeteria, even with all the COVID restrictions, he could still move around and come and go from the hospital. So he would, if he like leave, so he didn't bother me. Um, my mom showed up at the hospital around six o'clock. At that point, I was starting to feel some pressure. Um, well, and I'll backtrack a little bit. When they put the Foley in, um, my midwife had said, well, you know, I know you really don't want Pitocin, but I've really never had anyone that can just be induced on the Foley. At some point, you're going to have to be open to Pitocin. And I kind of just looked at her and I said, okay, well, let's just see what my body can do. I've been praying about this. Like the whole week I just begged God not to, I did not want Pitocin. And um, she kind of just said, okay, well, I'm just letting you know, I want to give you a heads up. They never went over the risks of Pitocin. Um, Everything negative that I knew about Pitocin was from my own research. Um, And I actually didn't really know any of the risks of the Foley either. They did not, I want to say they had to have, because I know they have to, or they're supposed to, but I do not have in my memory, anybody sitting down with me and telling me these are the, the risks of sticking something up there while you're in labor, um, infection. Like that was never discussed. Um, I knew about it only because of my research and, I preferred the risks of the Foley versus the risks of Pitocin. And I did not want to get stuck in the Pitocin and epidural back and forth that shoot you to having a C-section. So I was just so against the Pitocin. So fast forwarding it back to around six o'clock, I was feeling some pressure. My mom had just gotten there. So my husband had to go meet her in the parking lot so he could show her where to go. Um, so I got up on my own. I went to the bathroom and the Foley balloon came out. Um, we had been told the Foley would get us to maybe four centimeters, but, um, I called, called the nurse. Um, they came and they checked on me. Um, the midwife came in. I was over six. I think I was like six and a half, maybe, maybe close to seven. I was somewhere between six and seven. Mm -hmm. So they were like, she was kind of surprised that it got me that far. So she was really positive and it was just me in the room. Um, my mom and my husband were not in yet. And she said, well, do you want me to break your water for you? I typically don't recommend breaking water because people usually don't make it this far on the Foley, but that can help you get into active labor. Again, really remember the risks I was, I forget who had been on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, but with the prolapse cord, I did not know up until that episode that that was a risk mm-hmm. of having your water manually broken. That was Kirsten. Um, yeah, yeah that was never discussed. Either. Yeah. 
Um, I think had that been discussed, I probably would have said, well, can we see what my body does for the next hour? Um, and then come back. But she was so upbeat and positive about how far along the Foley had gotten me. Um, and she said she felt safe doing it. Um, I let her do it. Or, well, I didn't let her do it. I, I was at that point because I didn't know the risks. I was excited. So I was totally fine with it. So it wasn't even I let her do it. I was excited about it. Um, so she had just broken my water as my mom and Austin got up into the room. After she did that, she said, just so you know, you probably are still going to need Pitocin. And I said, okay, well, let's see what this does. And um, she left and this was um, like six o'clock and Probably within that hour, my contractions really picked up, really got into that more active labor, very consistent, very painful. Um, and I was, tr I would rotate from sitting on the birth ball to getting back in bed. I was still very adamant about not having an epidural. And this whole part is me. I just remember being in so much pain. Um, my husband and I, we didn't do, um, any classes mostly because of COVID and then the expense of birth classes. So we had watched mm -hmm. some YouTube videos on breathing. So I was kind of trying to do some of that. I knew that other positions would help, but I was just in so much pain. I just wanted to lay there. I wish that we had gotten a doula because I needed somebody there to tell me what to do. Um, my husband kept asking me what I wanted. He said, well, well what's going to help you feel better? What do you want? And I looked at him like every time, I'm like, I just want to die. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to be in pain right now. Those questions um, are so unhelpful. And people are trying so hard to like oh, find a way to so support bad. you. And yes or no, I mean, questions in general, but like, questions that don't have a simple yes or no answer just not helpful yeah like my mom she pulled up a chair and she was holding my hand but and she was like just breathe just breathe um I, I remember maybe if she hears this maybe that's not what actually happened but that's what I remember and she was so gentle so it was calming but somebody to say I know you can't get in a water tub, but we could go stand you in the shower. That's mm -hmm. what I needed because I think that would have been helpful. So that went on for a few hours to the point where my blood pressure started getting pretty elevated. Um, I was really nauseous. I think I forgot to mention they did put the, they wanted to IV me when I first got in and I thought that was stupid. Um, <laughs> Cause I said, well, I'm not doing Pitocin and I'm not getting any medication. Right. So no. And they said, well, let's at least put the, the lock in. Um, and again, I'm not going to do that this time when we go into, if, if we end up going into be induced, um, there's really no point. They said, if there's an emergency or something, it just makes things quicker, but you can stick an IV in somebody within 30 seconds. 
Well, and they, they're trained to do that to people like in an emergency room or somebody who hasn't been there laboring. Like it's the same thing as not letting you eat because you might get a C-section. It's like, well, you perform surgery on, on yeah. people all the time that, that haven't fasted for 12 hours before the surgery. Right. Exactly. So I just, again, it was something I started to push back on. They gave me an answer and I was like, just said, okay, whatever. Um, it wasn't a huge bother to me. Um, it was an annoyance, but it wasn't anything that was very distracting. So when I, when I was getting nauseous, since that was set up, they went ahead and connected me to the IV so I could have fluids and, um, they put some nausea medicine and they told me that if it was due to pain, the medicine wasn't going to work. But if it was something else, then the medicine would work. Um, and it did not work. So, which I could have told them that I think I did tell them, well, I'm nauseous because I'm in pain. Um, but they wanted to try that first. So it did literally nothing. <laughs> um, so my blood pressure was really starting to climb. I was throwing up. And I just remember laying there and I could not control my body temperature. Um, I would freezing and my mom and um, Austin were putting all the blankets on me. And the second they would touch my skin, I would start sweating. And so they would go get a cold rag and it was just, it felt, I, it could have been 10 seconds of that. And it could have been 10 hours. Mm -hmm. It just felt like this time warp. Um, and I, it felt like I was dying and I know that I wasn't. And in the moment I knew I wasn't, but it really felt like I was. And then the anesthesiologist and he goes, he looks at me, he says, I'm Dr. So-and-so I'm the anesthesiologist. And I remember being confused as to why an anesthesiologist was there. I didn't even realize that anesthesiologists put epidurals in. Like, I didn't know that was something that anesthesiologists had to do. I just figured doctor OBs or whatever did them. Um, and he goes, I know you have in your birth plan that you do not want an epidural. And I, and so in my mind, I'm like, I don't even want him in here. Mm -hmm. But he said, I, I just wanted to go over everything now in case you need one later. So I said, whatever, like, basically say your spiel. And I did not listen to a single thing he said. And he was like, do you want one? And I said, no. And the second he left, like I looked at my husband and he looked terrified because we had talked about maybe having a code word or something. It never really happened. And I told him, I said, I, I think I need it. I kind of felt like the second the anesthesiologist left, I felt kind of in my heart, the Holy Spirit say, you need rest. This is not something you want, but this is how I'm going to bring you rest. And so I looked at my husband and he's like, I had told him that if he let me get the epidural, I was going to divorce him, <laughs> which <laughs> is not true whatsoever. We don't believe in divorce, but, um, he was, I think, terrified when I gave him that look. Um, and he said, can you make it 30 more minutes? And I just told him, I said, I don't, I don't know. And 
he said, well, let me go think about it. And I don't know why I felt like I needed his permission because I didn't need my husband's permission. He would never hold anything over my head. That's not for our relationship, but I didn't want to get it until he felt comfortable with it. And he kind of went into the back of the, we had this like suite um, and there was what they called like the dad section and it was behind a curtain and he went kind of behind there and he was pacing and I know he was praying. And when he came back out, I saw tears in his eyes and he's like, okay, I'll go get the anesthesiologist. Um, and for me, Colt agreeing to the epidural with my mom there because she had me and my sister, um, both of us with no interventions epidural. And so I had always grown up with that's just how you have a baby. She has always said, well, I don't know why people talk about how painful it is. I didn't think it was that bad. She's one of those. Mm. (laughs) And so in my mind, I felt very weak. I have a very high pain tolerance. So I was very embarrassed being around her because she does not have a high pain tolerance. So I could not understand why she was able to have babies without anything I was feeling like I was dying and it was the worst pain in the world um she did go into labor naturally with both me and my sister so I I believe that's probably an aspect of it she also got to labor at home for a little bit and I came really fast for her so I don't know if those are all factors but um so that was really hard it was very humbling to have her there because I was really afraid that she was going to judge me for agreeing to getting the epidural. But um, she ended up actually kind of grateful that I had gotten it because no parent wants to see see their child in that amount of pain. Um, So she had to leave the room. They let my husband stay in the room for it. So she had to go out in the waiting room and then they did it. It, he, He did a great job. I didn't know anything about epidurals because I had been so against them. Um, So I didn't ask for like a walking epidural or anything, but they did say that at this hospital, they do epidurals in a way that they still want you to feel pressure and they still want you to know when to push. So I could still feel my legs. I could move my legs. Um, So I was grateful for that. I didn't have any side effects. Still, even in that moment, I said, well, I'm never getting that epidural again. This will be a one-time thing. And now we're having twins. So this birth will probably not go the way I want it to go. Um, But at least I do have the experience of having it. And I know what to expect. I prepare myself for getting one with the twins. Um, but for Israel, so I got it and it, it was worked like magic. I mean, as much as I want to go back and tell myself to continue to push through and fight. And, um, maybe if I'd had a doula there, we would have been given some of those alternative positions. Maybe somebody would have been able to help my husband massage me and do some counter pressure on my back. Somebody could have encouraged me to get in the water. 
we did not have a doula. We did not think it would be necessary. So I totally wrote it off. Um, we will be having a doula this time. Um, and I'm going to tell her all of these things. Um, but the, the epidural did provide the rest that I, that the Holy Spirit had told me that it would. And around 2 AM, I had been kind of resting and just laying there in the bed. And, um, I don't know that I really fell asleep, but it was the most rest I had gotten since we had gotten to the hospital. And around 2 a.m., I totally thought I pooped myself. Um, I called my husband over and I said, Austin, I just pooped. And he's like, I don't believe you. <laughs> and I told him, I said, I promise I pooped. Can you look? And he like checked and he's like, you didn't poop. And I was getting really <laughs> like, I was mad. I was like, <laughs> I pooped go get a nurse because she'll tell you that I poop. You're lying to me. I don't know if like, I thought maybe he was trying to save me from being embarrassed or something. I'm like, no, just go get a nurse. I poop. And so the nurse came and she's like, Oh, well you're ready to push. So, um, I did not poop myself, but I was apparently ready to push. Um, and we hadn't planned this, but I looked at my husband and I said, do you want to catch the baby? And he was like, well, if they let me. And so I asked the nurse, I said, can Austin catch the baby? And she said it was up to the midwife. So they start reeling everything in the little like baby bassinet things and just all the baby stuff. And, um, the midwife. And at that point, um, like she was in the hospital still, but, um, they said that it would take, a couple hours to push since I was a first time mom. And so we were just going to do some practice pushes. Um, I ended up only pushing for 20 minutes. So she, I think they realized how close he was to coming. So she came in and the second she walked in, I said, I want my husband to catch Israel. And she's like, well, I don't care. That's fine. So um, they had him helping hold my leg up. Um, my mom to like see my lower half. So she was in that little dad section behind the curtain. Um, Cause I was embarrassed. I didn't want her to see all of it, but my husband was holding the leg, my leg and between every contraction, he would start to walk off and he was, I guess, nervous. So he would pace and it was making me upset because he would walk off and I'd be ready to push again. And my leg would be like flopped over on the side um, it was, I'm like, Austin, you need to come hold my leg. And he'd run back over. And then once it started to get to where we were maybe at the, at the push that we, the baby was going to be there, um, they had him put a mask. Well, I think he already had to have a mask on and they never made me wear a mask the entire time. Once we got into the room, which was so nice because that was a concern with COVID. Um, I, they, they made sure he had the right mask on or whatever and gloves, which I feel like that was even dumb. Like, why does he need gloves? He's my husband, but he could also just like wash his hands. I'm like, <laughs> I, well, he had to wash his hands. So like he had to wash his hands and then they made him put gloves on. And I'm like, this is his baby. Yeah. Like I know where his hands have been. I'm not concerned. And but like, um, skin is a really good thing for a baby to feel. Yeah. Rest. So he had the gloves on and um, 
he got to catch Israel, which was really special. I think a lot of dads um, don't really get to be involved in the birth process and, or they're like the one thing they're allowed to do or able to do is cut the cord. And so it was really cool that he had something more than just cutting the cord. Mm-hmm. Um, so he caught him and they had this hospital, they're more baby friendly. So um, they are huge supporters of skin to skin. So they had already had me like undress. So I, cause I've seen some pictures of moms with babies just born and they're still like gowned up and they're not getting skin to skin. So I was already exposed. So my husband, Austin just threw Israel onto my chest pretty much. Um, and Israel was there. It was two twenty-seven in the morning on July um, 15th, 2020. And he like, everything just went perfect. He was super healthy. Even, I mean, I know 37 weeks, it's not really a huge risk, but there was still some concern that there would be issues because he was considered early term is I think what they call 37 weekers now. They're not, they didn't put him in the full term category, but he wasn't preterm either. Um, after that, it was kind of a blur. So one thing, I think the one thing I don't want to say I regret it because no better at the time. But if I could really go back and change something after he was born and on my chest and everything was just so perfect, one of the nurses came up and was like, I know you didn't want Pitocin, but he's been born now. So there's no risk to him. And it's pretty much just standard that we give Pitocin after the baby has been born. So are you okay with that? And I'm sitting here just talking to Israel, trying to have a moment with Austin and Israel. And and she said that, well, there's no risk to Israel at this point. So I was just like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'm assuming because they wanted my placenta out at for their time schedule or something. Um, I was not hemorrhaging. There was no mention of them being concerned about any blood loss. Maybe there was and they didn't tell me. But um, if I could go back and change something, I would not have gotten the Pitocin after he was born. I didn't have any side effects from it, but it's just the fact of I don't think it was necessary. And I didn't want anything that I didn't feel was necessary done. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know the risks and I didn't have what I feel like was probably a good enough explanation. So I will be making that very clear this hemorrhaging I am not to have Pitocin after birth mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting I've never heard that as like a just a general policy yeah they said that they just do it for all the moms and I know my mom said actually she remembered that they with my sister she was my sister was born in 2004 um so she's she's younger that they gave her Pitocin after she was born mm-hmm. um she doesn't remember f- um, but yeah, they said it was just policy that, that they just do Pitocin afterwards. So yeah, I actually heard that there was one post that I saw where the provider said, yeah, we just do it. And they don't really even notice. I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. That's crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. Don't, yeah. Just inject medicine into me and don't tell me you're doing it. That's like, don't tell me you're doing it. Don't ask for permission. Don't tell me the risks. It's all good. I, like compared to that, at least they 
asked my permission and I knew they were doing it. I, I didn't know the risks, but I'll at least give them the credit for that, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, but so that's like the one thing I would change. They, um, after, I think it, it felt like, I think he was on my chest for about 45 minutes. I had a second degree tear. Um, and it was, I don't know exactly. Um, but apparently it looked like Harry Potter's scar and it was just a really funky, it wasn't a straight line or anything. Um, so she took a really long time stitching me up. My mom said she felt it was like forever and it's being really tedious. Hmm. Um, so while I was being stitched up, Idril and I were doing skin to skin. Um, he latched like immediately and he was just a champ on the breast. We had no issues there. And then they took him over to weigh him and um, do all of those things. My husband got to, my husband cut, cut the cord. I know we did delayed clamping. I don't know how long they did it for um, because everything was just such a blur. Um, I, I was upset. I wanted to see my placenta and I kind of just wanted to like oogle at it. And I asked if I could see it. I said, don't take it away. I want to make sure I see it. And the midwife was like, yeah, that's totally fine. We'll look at it. And then once they took Israel to, to weigh him, I was like, Hey, can I see that placenta now? And they're like, Oh, it's long gone. <laughs> and so I was so sad. I almost cried. And I looked at my husband. I'm like, did you get a picture of it at least? <laughs> and he's like, no, I didn't take a picture of your placenta. So I'm probably gonna just request to take this one home this time. Mm -hmm. Because I feel kind of cheated from, from that. I really wanted to see, see it firsthand. And I kind of wanted to touch it and just kind of marvel at how cool of an organ it is mm -hmm. but I that experience was unfortunately not something I got to experience for Israel's placenta but um mm -hmm. I was also really bummed that Chick-fil-a was closed at 2 30 in the morning so <laughs> I went from 8 30 the previous morning only eating a Reese's to it being 2 30 in the morning every restaurant being closed, the cafeteria and the hospital being closed. Um, so I had pretzel sticks that my mom had brought. And that oh, was goodness. the first thing I got to eat after having a child. Which was frustrating. I was so hungry. Yeah. Uh, my parents' dog is going bananas. That's yeah. always fun. Yeah, I don't get the like starve you and don't let you have any water while you're in labor. Thing, oh, I'm definitely after. eating this time. Even there, I mean, so for this birth that I'm, will be having in the next few months for the twins, they're, they're making me deliver in the operating room in case we have to have a, a C-section. I'm still eating. I do not. They can. So with that, I mean, obviously we can have you on again to talk about the twins birth, but um, like, when you go in to have the babies, like how soon do they make, like, is it as soon as you go to the hospital and you're in labor, you have to be in the operating room the entire time? Or is it like, no. oh, we're getting close. Now we're going to move to the operating room. I think it's, we're getting close. So the, it's the same hospital. 
And with mm-hmm. Israel, it was they have LDR suites where it's labor, delivery, and recovery. So we we didn't even since he was induced, we didn't even have to go through triage. We literally checked in. It was it felt like we were at a hotel. They brought us to the room. It's this giant suite with a huge shower, um, and that's the space we stayed at the entire time. We never had to move. Um, from my understanding. I'll, it'll be the same experience. And then once it's time for the twins to be born, they're going to move us. I don't know how they determine if it's just like, oh, well, it's time for you to push. Or if they they do cervical checks, which I don't want to deliver in the operating room. So I'm going to just be a really crummy patient and deny cervical checks this time. <laughs> Um, and hope that maybe I just feel like I have to poop again and then I'll just push out baby A by myself. And at that point they can't take me to the OR. That's kind of my plan, but, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a different experience for them, but everything was perfect with Israel. Um, I mean, as far as an induction goes, it's not what I don't. I think other than those couple things, I wouldn't change anything. The other thing that bothered me um, for his 24-hour check, they I told them I didn't want him taken from the room, and they said that I couldn't go back because it was a HIPAA violation to see the other babies. Um, so, and this was at, I mean, 2.30 in the morning the next morning. So I was tired. Um so that was really disheartening for me. I did not want to be separated from him the whole time we were there. And they did take him back for tw- his 24-hour checks, which as long as the twins are healthy, I, I won't allow happen this time. Um, mm-hmm. But we um, we were discharged pretty quickly. Um, I think he was born... Wednesday morning and we were out Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening. Um, so we weren't there for very long once he was born because he was healthy and I was doing really well. Um, and we said no visitors for two weeks, which we had made that decision before he had been born. And we caught some flack from the same family member that wasn't too happy that we were pregnant. <laughs> We were called selfish and um, it, the statement was made that, so we, we had shared that the midwife agreed that that was a good idea um, because of COVID, which we made the decision for, that's how I wanted to heal. It wasn't necessarily based on COVID, but COVID mm-hmm. gave us a really good motivating factor to go ahead and make that decision. Um, so because the midwife agreed with it, the midwife was then called an idiot and... It just, this was all like two weeks before he was born or it was, it was very close to his birth. So it was very stressful. But, um, so the whole time I was paranoid that this person was going to just show up anyway, but that did not happen. And we had our two weeks at home, even though my mom had been there for Israel's birth, she left pretty quickly after he was born. Um, when Chick-fil-A opened, she went and she got me a peach milkshake and she brought it back to me and then she went home. And she did not come around for those two weeks. So it was just my husband and myself. Um, He was able to take two weeks off from, um, he was just kind of working some in our church. So um, he was pretty easily able to 
just take that time mm-hmm. away. And we just sat in bed and watched movies. And the three of us just did a lot of skin to skin with like Israel would just kind of rotate between being on my chest and his chest. Um, we did go for walks every day. Um, we got back Thursday night, so it was too late to go for a walk that evening. But like Friday morning, Austin's, Austin said, I know you're sore, but you need to try to go for a walk. And um, we live on a college campus, so we have to go into another building to get our mail. So I like penguin walked while slowly pushing the stroller to go get the mail and came back. And so that was my first walk. Um, but we did that walk and each day I was able to walk a little bit more and I feel like it helped me heal. I know a lot of people for them, their bodies need them to just be completely still and not really get out of bed. I've know I've heard like the stay horizontal for like a week and then vertical and on the couch and then you start walking. But for me, I needed to be somewhat active, um, and I, I healed quickly, and um, then I was just ready to have another baby. I know we, it was about two hours after Israel was born that I looked at Austin and I said, when can we have another one? Um, I think that's exactly what happened with me and Jesse. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I want to do that again. <laughs> yeah, and I think for me, because there were, even though things went so well, there were still those little things that I would tweak and do a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I just wanted to go ahead and get right back at it. And, and of course he looked at me with like a horrified look and he's like, we're not doing this for a while, <laughs> but I mm-hmm. think that's pretty much everything. He's getting ready to have his birthday and he's almost walking and he's just grown really well. Yeah. Well, do you have any uh, advice for um, a first time mom out there? I think just really know your rights and know that you can ask questions and that asking questions does not make you a difficult patient or a bad patient. I have always been brought up to respect people. And so I thought that asking questions was just disrespectful um, or denying things would like hurt the doctor's feelings or hurt the nurse's feelings. But I think somebody, I'm trying to remember who had said it. I don't know if it was something I've heard on the podcast or it just in a personal conversation. But ultimately, when you go in to have a baby, that is your your baby, your body, your experience. That day that you have your child changes your life forever. It's just a day at the office for these people. Um, and that change changes things, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also, I know it's been recommended like for every episode, I have not finished it yet, but I am also reading made for this mm-hmm. and it's been amazing so far. So I would recommend, um, whether you're Catholic or not. Cause as, as I said, my husband and I, we are, we're Protestant and I, I identify a lot with Catholic teachings on a lot of things. And mm-hmm. I just love this book so much so far. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. You can find us on Instagram at fiat.podcast. And please leave us a rate and review, and we'll see you next week. Bye.